So today, I'm going to break my habit. Um, I never talk about current events. Um, you don't come here to hear my political viewpoint on anything, and I'm not going to start today. But what I am here to do is to be your pastor. And right now, with all that's going on in the world, you're hearing many different things from many different sources. And here's the truth. Our only hope in life or in death is in Jesus Christ. Amen. We live in a fallen world. Back when the world began, when God created the world, he created everything and Adam and Eve, and he said it was good. And then we know in that garden when Adam and Eve ate from the tree, sin entered the world and they were kicked out of the garden and to live and to toil in the land with birthing pains and to live in a fallen world in which there was sin and evil. And we live in the midst of that. But God does not leave his people alone, but rather through his grace, Jesus Christ came and was born, lived and died on the cross, shedding his blood and was resurrected three days later so that those who have faith in him would be saved. And we know that God is faithful to his promises. We just sung that. We just proclaimed it with every fiber of our being that God is faithful to his promises. And he has promised that Jesus is coming again and that when Jesus comes again, there will be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem where there will be no more pain, there will be no more suffering, there will be no more sin, and there will be no more evil. And so we live in a time between the cross and Jesus coming again. And so the world is not perfect. We are not perfect. And the world is still fallen. And we still fall short. And so when tragedies come, when evil is perpetrated amongst people, we turn first, not to the world but to God, and to cry out, come, Lord Jesus, come, for he is our only hope in life and death. Amen? Amen. Our scripture this morning is Psalm 118. You can find it on page 605 there in your pew Bibles. Again, that's Psalm 118. There it's written. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. 
Out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteousness. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord is dis has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up, on the, up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I need to confess something to you, a confession and a bit of repentance. And here's the truth. I don't always sing in church. I don't always sing in church. In fact, I sing the loudest, and Ian can testify to this, when I think it's a song that I'm in the right key and one that I know really well. Ian turns and gives me a smile and lets me know I am not on key at all. And then I get a bit quieter on ones that I, I am for sure out of key. But then there's times when I'm silent and I'm not singing. 
Maybe it's because I'm in, a, in, in worship and maybe in a moment of prayer, but most often it's because I am simply distracted or at that moment not in the mood to worship. And it happens to us. Yet singing is part of our faith. Singing tells the stories of our faith. And, and when we go to scripture, singing isn't given to us as an option, but as a command that we are to sing and to glorify the Lord, to make a joyful noise, no matter how loud and out of key and off beat and out of rhythm it is, Ian. <laughs> we will do that. Paul tells the Colossians that the word of Christ dwells richly when we sing. Suffice it to say that, that one pastor says that the songs we sing are our take-home theology. Because songs, they stick in our ear. Whether it's the tune or it's the words that are written onto our hearts. The songs stay with us. They stay with us through the week. We wake up with, with songs on our lips and on our tongues to sing to the Lord. And in different moments, in different places of life, we can have a memory come back. We can run into someone or something, and the song comes with it. The songs help us stay focused on Christ in the midst of a fallen world. But most of all, our singing, our singing glorifies God. He wants his children to sing. Whether it's off key, out of tune, off beat, he wants you to sing. He wants you to glorify him with song. And so when we gather for worship, the choir and the band aren't up here to perform and to entertain you. If you want entertainment, go to the symphony. If you want entertainment, go to Ponte Vedra Concert Hall. This is not entertainment. We aren't here for you. I'm not here to bring you a motivational speech so that you have 10 steps to feel better about yourself when you go home. I am here to present the gospel to you. We are here to sing for the Lord. And when we stay quiet, we are but statues, leaving it to the rocks to cry out. No, the, the band is up here with hearts to be made small so that God is made great, so that you are led in worship, not entertained. See, throughout Scripture, we hear singing in God's word. We hear it from, from barren women. We hear it from the Israelites in the wilderness. We, we read the songs here in the Psalms. In the New Testament, it, it begins with Jesus in Mary's womb, and Mary sings to the Lord her Magnificat. And we're told before Jesus comes back, we 
will sing a new song. A new song, and then Jesus comes in the sky with trumpets and angels and all of the citizens of heaven. See, when we look into the singing in the New Testament, we start seeing these psalms make their way into the psalms. Psalm 18 is one such psalm. For when uh, Jesus gathers with his disciples at the Passover feast, they sing. We know this because there is a book called the Jewish Talmud, and, and it was published in the first century, put together in the first century, and, and it contains rabbinical teachings about Jewish life and faith and customs. And within it contains the instructions for the Passover feast. That there's four cups on the table to drink from. And there's an order in which they drink from them as they share the story of Passover and their salvation from Egypt. And as they are drinking from these cups, and as part of their worship in order of that meal, is that they sing the Hillel, which is Psalms 113 through Psalm 118. They begin singing it after they drink from the second cup. And they finish with the last. And in the Gospel of Mark, he tells us that before Jesus and his disciples ascend to the top of the Mount of Olives to go in the garden and pray, they sung a hymn. They sung Psalm 118 before they went to pray. Listen to what they sung. His steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered and set me free. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But before they sung Psalm 118 that night, earlier at the beginning of the week, it was as Jesus was entering into Jerusalem on a donkey what we call Palm Sunday, where, where all of the Israelites are gathered there because it's the Passover. And so they're gathered, and here comes Jesus. Everyone's heard about Jesus. He's going to be the Messiah to overthrow Rome and set Israel free, was their understanding of what a Messiah would be. And here comes Jesus coming on the donkey. They're waving their palms, singing Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But things change through that week. We're told in Matthew 21 that as Jesus is teaching at the temple that week, the, the priest and the elders come and begin questioning his authority from which he could teach these things. So he has a couple parables. But he ends by revealing Psalm 118, verse 22 to them. Do you not 
know what the scripture says? That the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. For Jesus was telling as plainly as he could that the builders, the the Israelites, the priests, the elders, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the very people who were shouting Hosanna at the beginning of the week were such builders. And that soon they would be the ones rejecting him with shouts, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus confirms to those priests and elders that he is that stone that is rejected to become the cornerstone of all saving faith by God. And it would be Peter and John that after Jesus had ascended into heaven there in Acts chapter 4, they get brought before the council of priests because they've been proclaiming Christ. They performed a miracle and word is spreading. People are getting excited about Jesus and coming to faith in him. And they are worried and scared. And so they bring Peter and John in and say, do not preach Jesus again. And we're told that they are bold in their faith. And there as they talk to the priest, Peter says to them, that Jesus is the rejected stone made to be the cornerstone, rejected by them, rejected by the elders, rejected by those who crucified him, rejected and hung on a cross. And there, on that cross, Jesus did his greatest work. He bled and he died for our forgiveness. And the psalmist tells us right after verse 22, he picks up in verse 23, that this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so we rejoice in singing because Christ is the cornerstone of our saving faith. The cornerstone of the strong tower of our refuge. And even in the midst of weeks and days like today, Because Christ is our hope, we can sing joyfully, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.